Oh man, I uh, man, you I have don't no even idea know. what I'm doing. Ha, man. So I've been hanging out with you for twenty. Shh, I'm dude, not that old. You're you're my hero, but I've Come never on. got to hang out with you for more than like five minutes. So now I've got you trapped for maybe an hour. That's this is incredible. I sure like you, Jude. Oh, thanks, man. This is brought to you today, folks, by Guitar Player and GuitarPlayer.com. That's Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Play better, sound better. Maybe you'll sound like Kehoe, my friend. <laughs> Sometimes I do an intro beforehand, but today we're coming in hot. Coming in hot! Man, when I think of a guitar player who rocks, that just has that rock energy that actually is kind of explosive and unpredictable on stage, it's a short list, and you're on that, wow. and, you, and you play with so many great people. For anyone who doesn't know, everyone from your own band, Kehoe International, a.k.a. Kehoe Nation. Check that shit out on Spotify. I'll be playing some of that. Merv. Um, so many Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. Yeah, that was um, fun too. Tons of shit with Primus's Les Claypool, yep. and I know I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff. I know you play with Curveball and bands like that around the scene from the Bay Area, and you've just been a hero to all of us who came up in the Bay Area playing music and gigging. And now I've got you pinned down, motherfucker. You got me pinned down with no self-esteem. And before I forget, and egocentric. You know what that means. No. When you're egocentric and you have no self-esteem, that means the whole world revolves around this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, if you do it with love for everyone around you, which you seem to do, then it, and then it works out, man. You bring That's the love. That's all I know. And before I forget, we are, we are at Dunlop World Headquarters. In the bowels of Dunlop Manufacturing. Yes. Deep in the bowels. Yeah, this is where they like designed some of the shit and filmed. This is where all the sacrificial bloodletting we just had Max and Joey from the uh, video marketing team. Yeah. And if you can want to call it a day job, I would call it a dream job. But you, uh, you are, I would say, artist rep. Like you do artist relations and you help with marketing here at Dunlop. Well, I, I, we were doing business cards a few years ago for N yeah. NAM, which yeah. I don't even know if that's even a thing anymore. But we'll talk about that later. And they're like, well, what is your job title? I go, I don't know. I go, brand evangelist? Absolutely. Because I do product development, I do R&D, I do marketing, I do sales demos, and yeah. uh, artist relations. So it depends on what hat. Such a know. cool gig, and uh, you're always interfacing with all these huge bands. I mean, the list of people who are Dunlop artists, these little wannabe bands like Green Day. Never heard of them. Metallica. Never heard of them. Buddy Guy. Never heard of them. There's one cat on here that might be able to rival you for your beard, but probably not. Billy Gibbons. Heard of him. <laughs> yeah, you guys are definitely He says one. to me one time, he goes, hey, Mr. B, you going to grow that thing out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Billy. 
Do beards have a certain length, right? After a while, they kind of... There's a terminus. A terminus. There is a term terminus. There's a dude, if you ever watched, oh, what was it, Beard Whisker Wars? Nope. There's, there was a ch- deep on the cable before... Yeah. Uh, I, we got rid of the cable a couple of years ago, thank God. And did, there was Whisker <laughs> Wars. And this one dude, I mean, his beard went down to his knees almost. It was beautiful, this yeah. big red beard. He was awesome. And I see him... Uh, every now and, now and again around town because he's from the Bay Area. And I'm all, hey, dude. And one thing I like to do in the uh, airports and stuff, you walk by somebody that's got a beard. But now everybody's got a beard. But back in the day when there was yeah. only a few of us. It's just you and Zach Wilde. Yeah. We, I went, we'd look at each other and i go, beard nod. And that's it. <laughs> beard nod. And I was waiting for someone to go beard nod back to me some, at some point because, you know, that thing gets, <laughs> it, it never happened. I know. It didn't catch about. on. I, I used to have a Subaru WRX, man. Every time you pass another guy, they're WRX knob. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What's a WRX? This is this car, Subaru. It's a Subaru that is obnoxiously fast. Oh. Now, but just so you know, I'm. Can I have the name Terminus Beard for the band? I think that's a good band name. Oh, or that's are a you going to use name. it? Yeah, of course. Terminus Beard. Terminus Beard or Beard Terminus. That's so, like a metal band. So quickly, tell us a story of like. I mean, you got all these huge bands. Like, I know the other day you were talking with Team Metallica for the afternoon. What kind of stuff do you do with these bands, other than get them the coolest guitar picks on the planet? Well, that's with especially well with Metallica. They use a bunch of stuff, but lately it has been um, picks. So they're gearing back up again. Uh, yeah. You know, they just did a bunch of shows around. They're going around. They're doing stuff. And so what Metallica does, which I think is kind of cool, is they have a bunch of different custom printed picks. Yeah. Every gig, every tour, every guy in the band has their own picks. If the there's a you know any kind of yeah. commemorative thing like the the Black Album re-release, the Lars Ulrich guitar pick, all that. <laughs> so you know someone's got to wrangle all that stuff and get yeah. it all together so that sales can yeah. handle you know an organized cohesive order. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm on the phone with um their stage. Is he a stage manager, production manager? I'm on the phone with Zach. All yeah. the time, emailing back and forth yeah. about picks, about um, uh, 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 accessories like, you know, guitar polishes and strings yeah. for Robert and picks for both James and Kirk, but also Kirk's wah pedals. Yeah. I mean, there's always all kinds of stuff going on. You have on. so many brands within brands. Uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, we got MXR, we got Way Huge with George Tripps. Crybaby. Nice. Crybaby. Dunlop Wawa. Electronics. Yeah. And then... All the accessories, like Herco. Yeah. Fuzzface. Fuzzface, that's a Dunlop mm-hmm. Electronics. But then there's all yeah. the picks yeah. and all the other accessories. Slides. Strings, yeah. Slides. No, quick, capos. Quick side question here. So can anyone call you up and order some picks? Or do you have to be, you uh, be art, uh, uh, like a, a Cute and available? <laughs> Cute and available? <laughs> no. <laughs> With a pulse? That's so old school. Hold cute. on now. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Right. Because the thing is, is that we want to be able to keep the uh, ecosystem yeah. healthy, meaning that we want our dealers yeah. to do what they do and, you know, deliver the goods to, you know, the, the local people that are playing, the end users, as we like to say, end users. Yes. But, you know, we also have longstanding relationships with a lot of top players, some of which people have heard of, some of which people haven't heard of. But, you know, we want to take care of them in ways because we get feedback, very important feedback from 
uh, these players that say, hey, yeah. you know what, what would be cool? And then, you know, sometimes someone goes, oh, help. how come we didn't think of that? And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, boom, boom, stuff hits the... So what's one of the crazy... Have any adventures in artist relations or funny moments or you went to a sound check or anything that sticks out or boondoggles? <sighs> now or- you got me. <laughs> See, the thing is, is that I have to be careful. Yeah. You know? I can't be talking about the artists that had like, you know, uh, uh, needles hanging out of their arms and passed out. That didn't happen. I'm just saying, though. But I have to be careful. Of course. Oh, yeah, this one time. Yeah. I mean, there was this one time that uh, this is a good story. Yes, sir. So we went to 5150 to go interview, you know, St. Ed. God bless him. Now you're talking about his backyard studio, 5150. It was amazing. And like, I was like, oh my God, this is a chance of a lifetime, right? And we got to hang out with Ed all day long. We walk into the studio and he has all of his um, signature pedals out. He's got the flanger. He's got the wah-wah pedal. He's got his, I guess all, all we had that yeah. one, and the phaser. That's all we had at that point. And these and, are all MXR Dunlop pedals for anyone right. who doesn't know. Signature Van Halen pedals. Yeah. And I say to him, I'm all, oh, so what? The Dunlop guys show up, so then you bust out the pedals. And, man, he was pissed. <laughs> no, man. This is shit I use every fucking day. This is my sound. This is my shit. I was like, whoa, dude. I was super glad to hear that, but then I was also brokenhearted that Van Halen was yelling at me. <laughs> was that the first time you met him? First time uh, I met him, like, yeah, like that. And then a couple of minutes later, we started talking about baseball, and he was all cool and fired up. But, man, I guess I touched a nerve and then a couple minutes after that he says hey you want to see my guitar collection and i go wait (laughs) what uh "Uh, yes i'm thinking this is a trick question right so he goes come on so then on the other side there's like the studio and then there's his his little workbench area and then there is like a little lounge area and then on the other side is like a storage of all this stuff and so he goes hey check this out and he starts pulling out all these like 70s tyscos and airlines and Dan yeah. Electros and Silver, which is shit that I'm already into, but I yeah. didn't know that he was into it. And I go, hold on, dude, what are you doing? I'm showing you my cool shit. And I go, well, where's like the 63 Strat and the 51 Telly and the 59? He goes, oh, that shit's over there, dude. I want to show you the real cool shit. I'm like, right on, dude. <laughs> That's incredible, man. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, 5150. And I guess he, uh, he made that like a, it was going to, he told the urban planners it was going to be a racquetball court. Oh, yeah, I saw that interview. So, yeah, so I guess it's kind of like a, a bunker or? I don't know. It's all yeah. grandfathered in now. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know if, if, if Wolf is, I don't know anything about it now. Oh, yeah. I'm well, just sad. It's been a little over a year now, and uh, I don't know. I'm still brokenhearted. I'm, I'm sure like every other guitar player. Yeah, I'm in disbelief. And then the whole year goes by. It's like, what? How did that happen? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. A year a bummer. without Ed. Yeah. So um, play me the first cool guitar lick that you ever loved playing. I ever loved playing. You could be 10 years old. Maybe you're in high school, I think. Mm, I would have to say it went, uh, and I did it in the wrong key, but I went. <laughs> no, that's not right. I don't know. <laughs> that's some, not right. Some other. Hold on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kiss Alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Deuce. I learned it on a beat-up Franciscan acoustic nylon string guitar. Now, you grew up in Northern California? Yep. Bay Area. Um, Kind of North Bay? 
Like, no, in uh, the East Bay, we moved to El Cerrito when I was uh-huh. nine. And my mom's place is still behind the cemetery there. And she said when we moved in, oh, you're going to love it. There's this beautiful park in the backyard. <laughs> it was a cemetery. Classic. And that's the, you know, that's the home of CCR. Uh, and yeah. then eventually uh, Metallica moved in down the, down the block. Yeah. And uh, those were some blurry years. Really? Because uh, the Metallica house on Carlson. Did you ever hang out there? I mean, they that must have been the parties. Ruthie's Inn, like where they would uh, play oh, Ruthie, yeah. the local those clubs. Were, that was, I was blurry too. I'm just a little younger and I remember the posters, but I really couldn't go out. I was like, this band Metallica is playing everywhere in Berkeley. Yep. Ruthie's, Ruthie's Inn. Inn. That was a blast where we would drink Mickey's Big Mouth in the Big O parking lot. Yeah, I remember finally playing there on like a Tuesday night and it was raining and there was multiple buckets all over the place. Some on the dance floor and one or two on the stage because oh, the yeah. rain was coming through the oh, roof. Yeah. Um, but so tell me about this house that Metallica used to have New Year. Well, um, when I was in the seventh grade, my seventh grade girlfriend, who looked exactly like the bionic woman, oh my God, I had a giant crush on her. She lived in that house. And then uh, we didn't really get very far. We were in the seventh grade. And who the hell mm-hmm. knows? But anyway, years later, Metallica moved into the house. Hey, that's Elizabeth Alameda's house. So funny. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there was parties. And right. there was lots of uh, drinking of alcohol, and I met uh, I met a bunch of people there, man. And now, you know, the, you know, like Graham Bonnet was there with Ingbe one time, and you know, the Slayer guys were there. And plus, we always hung out with the Exodus dudes, because I was yeah. in that band Blind Illusion with yeah, yeah. Claypool. All right, right. And that was pre before Metallica kind of hit, and we were kind of doing metal-y kind of stuff. And then Exodus, yeah. really, they kind of started yeah. doing that thrash. Now, I've always heard about Blind Illusion. What Can you show us a little bit of what do they sound like? I don't know what they sound like. It's a, I know about these bands forever oh. in the Bay Area. Do you remember a single riff? Uh, shit. I'm supposed to know these riffs, <laughs> but I haven't played them in like 40 years. <laughs> no, I can't remember a riff. I should remember a riff, but I can't remember a riff. How come I can't remember a riff? (laughs) Stuff like that. I love it, man. I think I that was right. I think that's from Kamikaze. Yeah. I don't know. I've just butchered Mark's song. He's going to be mad. No, that's great. Just to get catch some of the vibe. And then, you know, so interesting. Those of us who are huge Primus fans. And like when I was 18, they played every Sunday night at the Berkeley Square for five bucks. This is before they were big. Yeah, it was fun. But they, they hadn't even recorded their first official record yet matt weininger brought that rig down there dude and recorded like you can hear me and my buddy on there uranio grammy award-winning matt yeah no shit yeah now he's a grammy guy and uh and his demos were insane he gave me always so good that tape was like jaw-dropping but yeah you can hear me and my buddy uranio uranio hunter rest in peace we're in the very beginning yeah this is a long time ago um but uh he is making these jungle noises right at the beginning of the first Primus album. Like Tim is going ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, and he's that's. I was like, we were so. In other words, we were there. So I kind of, I was really into Les back then, of course, and his incredible, you know, his. I don't. He has all these different. Uh, that it, doesn't bro. really sound like, but you know, this, this incredible. It was so different at the time. Right? Yeah. I mean, 
early on we knew that he was fucking brilliant, but we didn't want to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 18-year-old kids. No, don't tell him he's brilliant. But he was always just so badass, and he just had yeah. that real fluid feeling that yeah. was also angular at the same time. And then there was just so much shit going on that to me, and, you know, listen, I got a PhD in Les Claypool just from yeah, yeah. playing with him since high school and being, you know, just good friends. I mean, that's how I met my wife. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of entanglement yeah, yeah. With, with Claypool. Great but, record called Duo de Twang. Oh, that was guys. a lot of fun. That was really challenging. Yeah. But this, his playing reminds me of his attack when he hits the strings. He's not doing the big fat finger, marshmallow yeah. finger. He's coming down yeah. with the tips like a piano hammer. Boom, right, right, bam, right. The, And the sound reminds me of John Entwistle. Yeah, there is some Entwistle in there. Yeah. Absolutely. It's total Entwistle. And I asked yeah. him about it. He goes, yeah, well, Chris Squire was my guy, but I think Chris Squire got it from Entwistle. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But like yeah. all that other stuff. So when we did the Duo de Twang tours, which was a blast, and, and it was just me and Les yeah. on two resonators yeah, cracking yeah. jokes. It was like, I called it Porch Primus. Porch Primus. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and if you were a big Les Claypool fan, yeah. it was like an intimate thing with him because he would tell stories about how he wrote the songs he would tell stories about the characters in the songs what was going on in the world what was going on in his head which is really really cool yeah yeah but man what i noticed is that when he's playing he's playing drums he's playing bass he's playing guitar there's melodies all on top of that all at the same time and so there was been a couple of times throughout the years when i go to lure i'm like bro how do you even how do you do that? You got Tim playing all these badass drums and he's got, you know, the plumber drummer with a thousand drums. You got Les playing all this crazy stuff. I mean, that must be challenging. And you know, Lur said, this always stuck with me. It was very Zen-like. He goes, no, it's very freeing because they got it all covered. Yeah. So I use texture and, and melody and, and, and I was like, oh, that's badass. Lur is Larry Lalonde. Yeah, Larry the, Lalonde. Lur. Get, Guitarist of Primus, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's just, he has, he's an unsung hero, that guy, dude. Absolutely, man. Such a monster player. I mean, he can play all that Van Halen stuff. He can play yeah. all the Frank Zappa stuff because we had that Zappa band, Kaka, for a while. Yeah. With Brain and House and Merv and Lur. And Les would sit in sometimes. And Ray White would sit in sometimes. Hell yeah. And then the girls from um, the Braids and the Mofessionals, they would sing a bunch. Zoe. Zoe and Caitlin, oh my God, they were yeah. so good. Yeah, I was around in that scene too. I had a band called Groove Shop, and we I would love that. We band. would open with for you. First time I met you, I think we played with Curveball. You were playing with Curveball, and we were opening. Where was Slims. that at? Slims. We man, we loved Slims. Slims I'm so great. sad. Hey, we were playing all. You guys were playing all the funk tunes and stuff. Full horn section. We had the well hung horn section. Yeah. All the guys from Dot Three. Yeah. We had some badass uh, rhythm sections in that band. Brain and House. From the Limbo oh, yeah. Maniacs, and Brain went on to do Guns N' Roses and Primus. And then we had the Mighty Gomes, Jeff Gomes, Gomes from Fungamungo, Merv, and now he's in um, Mordred. And we first, had Ryan Salazar. First band Salazar. I ever had was with Jeff Gomes, man. When I What's was that? There. First band ever was uh, Jeff Gomes in 10th grade or 11th grade. Hard, hardworking Gomes? Yeah, man. I met Gomes at Music Camp, Casadero Music oh, Camp. Oh, that's he's, rad, dude. He's bro- bros for life, man. Yeah, I love that guy. Absolutely. And then we had... Um, uh, Larry Tag and Mike Urbano from Bourgeois Tag. I mean, we had some kind Bourgeois, of Mike Urbano from Cheryl Crow, Bourgeois Tag, Third Eye Blind, 
Smash yeah. Mouth. Smash Mouth. Everything. You name it, dude. That guy is. And then yeah. what's the Italian guy? Is like the giant pop star in Italy. Yeah. He I, plays I, with I, him, too? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he dude. plays stadiums out there. But. I was sick that year. All right. Hit me with a, one of your funk grooves from Curveball or something you like playing. How about... Not letting you off the hook. Give it up. I want to hear some keys. Turn it loose. Yeah, I'm off the hook, dude. I suck. Forget. Um. I gotta, hear, I gotta get a little. I gotta hear some jams. I gotta hear a little fingers. Hey, take a solo. Take a solo. All right. Show me that. Show me the the last note that you went. Oh, I don't know what the hell happened. I, I kind of made a mistake and it just came out. You got first of all, you got to have the band of gypsies fuzz on. Yeah. And then you got to blast the fuzz with a little bit of compression from the bass comp. And then you go. And you make like, a scream with overtones. Yeah, you had like two strings going on once or something. Sometimes, yeah. So you hear the I'm bending up, but you hear the overtone coming down. That's uh, called heterodyning. I like didn't. I... Oh, give me some more. That is so juicy, dude. <laughs> That's the juice. It sounds like you're squeezing a pineapple. I am squeezing a pineapple. <laughs> it's my tiny little brain. That's all my brain cells exploding at once. <laughs> That's awesome. I always wondered, like, so do you run the the fuzz into the compressor? I run yeah. the compressor into the fuzz. See, well, yeah. here's, here's the thing, my yeah. friend. I had it all set up. I had all these things going on in my brain. All the demons were going crazy because, ah, we're going to get you now. And then I had this nice pedal board all set up for you. And I was going to talk about signal flow because this is what I do for a living. I'm like, I can talk about the little demonstrator. Blah, 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 blah. Left my pedal board at home. <laughs> so I, I put this thing together. And what I have on the board right now is the uh, Dynacomp bass comp, uh-huh. uh, the Banded Gypsies fuzz, a Timmy pedal, a booster, it? then the Carbon Copy Deluxe with the tap, and then the Univibe at the end with just the vibrato, so it gives me just a little bit of movement. I have that pedal. I love it. I love this pedal. But I, and I think this is what I always think. Can I tour with this? I could do a tour with this. Hell yeah, you could. I could do a tour with just this small little pedal. I could do a fly gig with just this small pedal board. But so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm playing through this um, orange dual terror through the Milkman 115. That's a 15. Guitar yeah. players, yeah. don't be afraid of a 15-inch speaker. Oh, it's too woofy. No, it's not. It just, yeah. It's got a bottom end, but it also has a nice top end. No doubt. 
This 115 is kind of beefy. Yeah. And so... You were getting some crunch on that, too, with the, the other pedal. I can... Well, see, what I can do is I move up the gain stages with uh, just as without anything. Here's with the compressor. And then I move up to just the Timmy. Just the booster. And then the fuzz. And then when you slam it with the compressor. I've been listening to a lot of stoner lately. You got some cool shit Psych. on your own records that have like the super vibe like that, like um, "Come On Mofo." Oh, like that. that I like whole... the way you say "Come On Mofo." <laughs> well, it's MF. Like, yeah. What is well, it's MF motherfucker. Stand for? I say motherfucker. <laughs> I know, you say like, I go, "Come on, motherfucker, come on, bring it on." And so when we did yeah. the Hate Street Fair, it's all these kids. So I said, "Come on, rubber ducky, come on, rubber ducky, come on, bring it on, rubber ducky." That's brilliant. I never thought of rubber. That's the perfect. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't mind swearing. I swear yeah. like a sailor. But, you know, the kids, yeah, yeah. they don't need to hear motherfucker out of everything. You know Yeah, what we mean? got this one Jefferson Starship song. There's a break in it. And uh, on the record, it's all, fuck you. We do what we want. I like I'm that. like, when we play a family, every once in a while, they'll be like, you know, please no cursing. I'm like, can't we just say forget you? But I appreciate that Kathy and David are like, no, we can't do it if we can't say the F word. Good for her. We're going to replace that song with something else. So. Good uh, for her. That rocks. You got to stand by your principles. That's why I've gotten nowhere in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, the Hate Street Fair was badass. I remember seeing the professionals, you know, as you t- mentioned, with Zoe and Caitlin and, oh, and Chris Berger's up front. And, like, and that place was packed, man. And, and, all the, he, and he came up with this rhyme. He's like, he's looking at the people in the front and the people in the back. He's all, all you down motherfuckers in the front. And all you drunk motherfuckers in the rear. <laughs> so See, badass. he wasn't afraid of <laughs> cursing. You know who the history. first singer in that band was? No. Me. Oh, really? Yeah. Rad, man. It was cool. That's killer. But so. then I got the Merv gig shortly afterwards, and I was like, ah, I'd rather play guitar and sing than just sing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Merv was certainly a great thing around town. Merv, one of my heroes. Like, oh, Limbo dude. Maniacs were, like, one of my favorites. He is one of my favorite guitar players, like, ever. Yeah. And I got to be in a band with him for hella long, and we toured all over, went to Europe twice, toured all over America multiple yeah. times, did multiple records, was yeah. on the MTV. And every night, he would grab you or the sun don't shine right in the family jewels. Woo! Why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe he's got a little something for you. <laughs> You're hitting yeah, that buddy. high note, I guess, right? And yeah, well, that was it. That yeah, was it. You got this operatic side to you where you uh, do Oh Sole Mio with well, Merv. And, like, it's totally operatic. Can, give us a little bit of that. We started. Uh, let me give you the background <laughs> yes. real quick. Um, we started doing that because in the Kaka band, there's that song Sofa. Uh, and, and this kind of sung opera style. And I was like, oh, I could do that like Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah. But I also studied um, from this vocal coach, Claudine Spint, and she yeah. taught the Caruso method. 
Now, yeah. I got a lot of personality and a lot of attitude and a little bit of range, but I have like pitchy problems. So I'm not like an awesome singer. Right. But uh, we started doing that. And then Les Claypool was like, dude, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen you do. You got to do that. So we're like, all right, well, Merv's mom is, is Italian. And right. she taught me O Solo Mio. And yeah. she wrote out the lyrics. And we sang O Solo Mio. Was, and then every night during the break, I would sing the high note. And then someone from the crowd would come up and help me with the high note and grab my balls. And then I'd be all... And then one night... Do that again. I think I, you... Did I just blow up the... Yeah, one more time. I could back off, too. No, yeah, okay, back up. And then one night, this, uh, this girl came up on stage with some vice grips. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing no vice grips, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a couple times where I got punched in the, in the nards and hit the deck. But it was all in good fun, fun and games. I always told people, say, if you come to a Merv show, you may not like the music per se, but you're going to like the show because we just had a blast. We oh, dressed in, in Rodney Dangerfield polyester golf clothes. Oh, yeah. And then there was lots of snappy repartee and Merv's faces when he plays was just so insanely like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Awesome. Oh, yeah, man. We had so much fun. And uh, Jeff Gomes again, we were talking about earlier. My first drummer. The crack of his left hand when he hits the snare, man, it's so strong. I, I was listening to Cool from, yeah. I don't know what show that was. One of the oh, YouTube Slims. I think yeah, that was a Slim it's just, show. It's just, we got, I'm going to try to fly in a little bit of that here. So that's can just that's why my, that's my right ear is constantly ringing is because of that crack. Yeah. Get off my lawn! Well, I mean, you know, he was a, a contractor him. during the, yeah. the day, so he would pound nails during the day, yeah. and then he would pound drums at night. He, oh, and then he was a jujitsu guy too, so he hit things for a living. Yeah, all day, all night. He just, and then he's just this he's massive, massive man that my little brother used to call him the wrecking ball. And he's like the sweetest guy. Oh, but uh, yeah, um, he is a badass contractor too. It's this thing, it's called Bodhi Tree. Oh yeah. And they do yeah. renovations here in the North Bay I area. Mean, he does stuff that's like in Sunset Magazine. And yeah, he's, it's incredible, man. Jeff, love that dude. Tell me about, just let's back up a second. What were you like as a kid before you, like, because there are many words that could describe you such as timid, quiet, introverted. I mean, wait, those are not, <laughs> those are not the words to describe Brian Keough. This will describe it in a nutshell. In school, anywhere along the line, you would see four nice, beautiful, straight, <laughs> organized rows of desks, a teacher's desk, and then there's one desk behind the teacher in the corner that was always 
my desk. No, so what did you do? I, you know, it, what, it's, it wasn't what I did, it's what I couldn't do. I could not sit still and I would not shut the fuck up. And you know me. Yeah. I'm on 11. Yep. I'm loud or off. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I, you know, I, I, I mean, later on I realized, you know, I, I had ADHD, hyperactive, couldn't focus, couldn't sit down. Like I couldn't sit down and have a, like a normal conversation like this until I yeah. was like 40 because it was just always just, Wah! all the demons are just pouring out. Well, now you work at, and having, of being a total NAM veteran, I've probably been to 20 NAM shows and worked them and interviewed lots of the manufacturers and got a sense. There's no doubt that Dunlop is probably the rockingest company out of all of them. Like in terms of the booth and, and, and who you guys are in terms of your personality, personalities yeah. and, then, and then your roster. Yeah, but we, at the same time, it's still a job. It, does that ADHD or whatever you want to call it nowadays show up ever in, in the, the boardrooms? Or, or of when course. You, so it's your, and I'm not the only one that has it here. Yeah. We all, what do they call that, uh, attract? We attract each other, oh, yeah. right? I mean, you know, that's... Jimmy Dunlap himself. <laughs> dude, awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, he's another, he's a firecracker, dude. That guy yeah. is, you know, he's a powerful man. Yep. In more ways than, than, you know, just in business and stuff. I mean, he's brilliant. He's mm. super smart. He's, you know, uh, he's got a shit ton of energy. And he's got that, what you're saying, that rock and roll magnetic. Yeah. He's, he's a rock star to the rock stars. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything new coming up on the horizon here at Dunlop you want to talk about? Uh, you know what? You know, I new think I that... can actually talk about this. Yeah. We got a new phaser pedal. That is based on the old 70s style phaser. And I don't know if I can say what it is without pissing people off, but it's not a phase 90. So you Small think stone, I don't know what you're talking about, but um, the team really did a really good job voicing it. It's in a mini uh, 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 format. They did a really good job voicing it. So it sounds great on guitar and it sounds great on bass. So, you know, it's got a speed knob, but then you can... It has, um, uh, it goes, oh shit, four to eight step phaser. So it can get really uh, a lot of wash in there, but it's really vocal. Like sometimes when I hear Scott Shiraki, uh, uh, our marketing guy and bass guy, when he plays it, it almost sounds like a talk box or a crybaby because it's going, it's all, it's so chewy that it has this real vocal vowel kind of quality like a diphthong where it's how yeah. it's kind of badass awesome man i haven't really spent a whole lot of time with it yet because i think it's just coming out like next week oh, sweet. but i think we we i think i can talk this about show, it yeah this show might be out right after that so oh well then that's good that's good so then i can talk about that i can't talk about all the other secret stuff that's coming out next year you can keep your job i gotta keep my phony baloney job bro well, it was great to see Daryl Anders and Scott this morning oh, out, yeah. out front. and then um, Two monster bass players. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Monster bass players. And then, speaking of monsters, tell us, I've met George Tripps a few times, and of course I got to hang out at the Secret Cave in Los oh, yeah. Angeles, where he, the laboratory. Yes, the it's doctor's like, huge. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, in the beginning of the James Bond movie where they give him all these cool gadgets. He has a bald cat that he sits there and pets. Yes, my pretty, my precious. George Tripps is a is an is amazing uh, 
designer. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Mr. Trips? You know what I can tell you about Mr. Trips? I can tell you two things about George Trips that a lot of people don't know. Yes, please. He's a connoisseur of whiskey, which is nice because I like whiskey too, but he yeah. blends his own. Like he'll go get stuff off the shelf and make a blend and put it in an oak cask and then age it for a while. And it's fantastic and it's delicious. And he makes meticulous notes on what's his favorite and, yeah. and stuff is cool. The second thing that a lot of people don't know, he is a monster, monster guitar player. I would venture to say that he is, you know, best is hard to say, but he's probably my favorite guitar player that works in this in in this in for Dunlop in in that realm because yeah. he can he knows all those Van Halen licks like you do and he also knows all those like Jimmy Bryant licks like he shreds dude and he's really tasty he's yeah. he's kind I, of a badass but I, I I think that he may have like um performance anxiety which keeps him from like performing or playing or maybe he just says fuck it I'd rather just build yeah, pedals a, and I'll leave all the monkey business to you know simians like me yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's the man behind the curtain he is and, the man he's protecting the his ears for a for his careful yeah. when he's blending the, the whiskeys well I mean the, the whiskey he likes, tone he likes to smoke a pipe which I think is kind of lame but whatever <laughs> I'm a cigar man myself but uh, speaking of Van Halen licks now it's my turn oh. to wash you in accolades oh my golly so um you guys were playing Nam. What was the name of that band? Hot for Teacher. Hot for Teacher. And you came out, and you know I'm jaded. You know I'm a I'm an okay, goodish, pretty good maybe guitar player. But you know but I got such a monster. I have that attitude that guitar players have. Oh, let's see. Oh, oh, you're gonna play Van Halen. Oh, Jude. Okay, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> right, but the right. demons in the head are going. Nah, dude. Come on. You killed it. Hold on. Wow. Let me say something. You nailed it. You had the passion. You had the chops. But here's what people always miss with Van Halen. The phrasing. The phrasing was impeccable. It was like hair-raising, like holy shit. And there was only a couple times, when, and you did this very tastefully, which I thought was pretty amazing, but you stayed within the language where you took it off and you didn't do the note-for-note -note solo because everybody wants to hear the note-for-note -note solo. You yeah. mess around and you don't play the note-for-note -note solo, you get in trouble. But at the back end of a couple of the songs, you went and you opened up and you said, okay, well, here's, here's Jude's version of this Van, Hang Van Halen language, and it was perfect. Like, it was spot on. Like, it wasn't like yeah. a fake accent. It was like you were channeling Ed, and it was fucking uh, badass. And I was like, holy shit. It impressed the holy living shit out of me. And I've always uh, been impressed by, with your playing, especially your uh, slapping and that stuff. So cool. The wackadoodle stuff? Yeah, whatever, <laughs> dude. It's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, that's what's so cool uh, about playing guitar yeah. is that it's not a competition. Everybody yeah. has their own voice. Yeah, everyone met, does their own thing with it. But first of all, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Well, I wouldn't say if I didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I've always felt like we got lucky sometimes. Like we just have like the good vibe and the good acoustics and the and some one time I was playing through an amp that I would never even play through, like a Randall one by twelve combo. Like I would usually do the Van Halen thing through at least a four by twelve. Right. But they'd mic it up and it just sounds so huge at the NAMM. Was that with that NAMM show you played through the Randall? A couple of times. Or maybe you might have seen them one at a time with them, like a Marshall DSL 50 or something. But Okay. You know, That's so a good amp, man. I getting, like those 50 watts. Yeah, I get the, once you get a little bit of tone or something, it helps so much, man. Well, you know what also is uh, 
a lot of people always talk about tone, but there's one thing, and you know this as a guitar player, you need the response. Yeah. So there's got to be a certain amount of, the, of some sort of compression, whether it's happening in the amp or if you have to add it. Yeah. And a guy like me, I need all the help I can get. I always run a little bit of compression, but not too much, just so that it's just kind of buoyant. Yeah. You know, so you can get around. It makes it easier to play. Like even when you're playing clean? Yeah, even when you're playing... Yeah, show us the difference between no compression and then just with only the compression added. So I got the volume rolled down. And then the compressor, I have a little bit of gain... Uh, not gain boost, a little volume boost. Yeah. It's a little louder, but what you guys don't know is that it feels more... Yeah. You get around on it, you know what I mean? Well, some people can. I Today, I cannot. You sound so great. And I know what you're talking about. Com compressor is almost more of a feel. Like, you can halfway hear it. And sometimes you can really hear it, depending on how someone smacks it. Yeah. If it's but, too much, though, yeah. it's too much of a good thing. Like but You it, can feel it when you're playing it. That's it. But you need just enough. And that's why I like this, um, the Dynacomp, the bass Dynacomp, yeah. because there's a, 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 a clean through. Yeah. So it's still, the volume is still affected, but the compression is what they call parallel compression. And so yeah. you get the spank, but you also get the sustain. You get the sustain. Sustain? Yeah. And then with it off. And show us how, again, I want to go back and show us the booster, because again, you're running the amp pretty clean. This is an orange dual terror. Orange dual tear with the gain. You know, it's it's yeah. not even noon on the gain, and it's not even noon on the volume. And then uh, so I'm running on the dual ch dual terror side, not the tiny terror side. So and then you... uh, now the booster is badass because it's two 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 pedals in one. It's the Echoplex preamp, right, and the microamp in one. So the Echoplex preamp is an internal trim that you set and it's first in the uh, signal flow. And then the external volume on the outside is the microamp. And then it's just a low band pass filter, uh, you know, high end cut on, right. on the deal. But because a second ago when I heard you activate it, it made that thing suddenly grow teeth and fangs. Because what happens is I have it slamming the front end of the amp. So it's like 30 or 40 dbs of cleanish gain it's not super yeah. clean because the uh, echoplex preamp has got a little bit of compression and some sort of notch filtering happening and then the microamp is a vintage style yeah. uh a uh, uh, boost pedal but it has like a little internal gain and it kind of has its own thing but when you hit it and you slam the input of the amp now you're lighting up the plate voltage and now the tubes are really working so it's like turning yeah. the Amp up. Really? That That's was with bypassed. Oh, bypass. Okay. And then when you double that up with the fuzz and the compressor. You get dinosaurs and heat sounds. <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> Classic, yeah. And it goes back to what you're saying, man. That 15, surprisingly, when, when you had just the booster on, 
You got still have all those the teeth and mid range upper and, mids, and you can feel it. Yeah. Like sometimes, I think. Well, uh, the milkman cabinet design has got something to do with it too. Yeah. I mean, Tim knows what he's doing over there, and uh, plus, I like the look of it's a tweed. It looks kind of, you know, you show up with the tweed and people think, oh, he's a blues guy. And then you go. They go, holy shit. Now, we're, we're playing your two of your favorite guitars you told me. Uh, these Tell us about these guitars, and what pickups are you playing through today? Okay, so uh, this guitar that I'm playing through is the, a GNL ASAT from like 90, I want to say 92, maybe 93. And a buddy of mine was working at K&K Music. Shout out to Barney Leeson. What's up, Barn? What's up, Barn? I don't know you, but nice uh, to meet you. You know him. If you saw him, <laughs> you would know him. And he was like, hey, look, we're, we're going to discontinue these guitars, but you should get your hands on one of these guitars because these guitars are awesome. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, whatever. We were, we were doing a lot of touring, and I needed another guitar. I was yeah. mainly just using my 70s Strat that weighed like 12,000 pounds, all natural. And so I played one, and I was like, wow, this guitar really plays and sounds really good. Then I played another one, and then I played all the way down the line. They all played great. But they were all in these color combos that I wasn't really into. Cherry red and bowling ball green. And I was like, I don't know, these are all kind of... The guy says, well, I can get you a custom color. I go, really? He goes, what do you want it to look like? And I go, I want it to look like a beer. <laughs> so gold sparkle. Yeah, man. With uh, the mother toilet seat, perloid white pick guard. That's the head. Yeah, it's, it's a beer. Hold up the beer for the camera here. Here's the beer. This is the beer guitar. But the thing that's significant about these guitars, in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> these pickups. So these are oversized, I think they're called oversized single coil MDF magnetic field design, MFD magnetic field design. And they don't like have a real high, um, what are they, DC resistance. They don't register as like a high output pickup, but they're really... Yeah. Ballsy. But they're not P90s. They almost look like one of those modern P90s, but they're not, right? They're yeah, like- they're technically they're not P90s, but P90s are basically yeah. a you know overwound single coil pickup, right? right. So th- I think they're related. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But these pickups sound real, really good. And then the other thing is the bridge is it's oh, yeah. a top loader, which I think on and it's got a lot of mass in it, and I think yeah. it has more bottom end to me than when they go through the back. So, yeah. so this is a 92 or 93 uh, ASAT special. Now, the guitar that you're playing is the sister, if you will, which is silver and black. Not that I'm a Raiders fan, but I, th- I figured I already have a gold guitar. And I call this one the Cerveza. And I call that one the, uh, oh, no, what do I call it? Plata, like tequila. Yeah, and so silver and black, but it has a uh, Lawler low wind imperial in the bridge, and then two single coils, and those are really high output single coils. And then the Lawler low wind is medium output, like PAF, five position switch. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I got the rosewood fretboard on that one because um, it, it, rosewood seems to be a little more forgiving. I bought a, another one that had an ebony fretboard, and yeah. the ebony was a little spiky, at yeah. least for this style of guitar. Yeah, yeah, but ebony sounds great in, to my ears on like a Les Paul or SG. Yeah, yeah. Depending on 
the wood and the day they put it together. Yeah, there's all these other infinite variables totally, but yeah, these guitars feel great, man. They feel and, and play, well, for me. For me. I mean, everyone yeah. has their own preferences. You play with nines? Or no, these are a, a 10 on the top. Right. 50 on the bottom. Wow. So they're 11s on the wound strings and 10 set on the top strings, and then they're down tuned a yeah. half a step. That's cool. For two reasons. A, it's easier to play. Yeah. And B, um, it's easier to sing. Oh, and then there's a third reason. It sounds meaner. E flat sounds mean. And ask any horn player. They're like, nah, dude, the universe resonates in E flat. Right. I don't know how true that is, but a horn player told me that one time well, after he smoked a bunch of weed. Well, their universe. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the E flat. And it makes it Absolutely. confusing because I play a bunch of gigs with um, uh, 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 David Phillips, who's an amazing pedal steel player. Oh, yeah. Is he the guy who's in the band in the van video? No, that's Hex Henderson, who's another amazing oh, guy's steel player. That making me cry. He's so beautiful. So. Well, that dude, well, first things first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Phillips, he, I called him up and we were talking and I go, yeah, because uh, uh, I was looking for a pedal steel player. He goes, I go, what got you into pedal steel? He goes, well, I was listening to King Crimson and I was always curious, what would pedal steel sound like in that band? And I go, oh, dude, you're hired. You're so my guy. And so he kind of understands my twisted, even though some of my stuff is kind of nitro Americana, he understands all the twists and turns, the flat fives and the, and the flat seconds and, you yeah. know, all the raised nines and all. And he understands that. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, that's great. Traditional guys would be like, oh, no, you're going to play in G major six or it's, you're, you're not doing it right. And right. He, there's no... No talk back. <laughs> no. But Hex Henderson is another great steel player. And that guy does Hendrix and uh, Van Halen. And he's got two tone bars when he does Van Halen. Oh, it's, shit. It's kind of badass. Dude. Mean, mean Street on a pedal steel. And he plays it through a recto stack. Damn. But he plays a lap. Well, he's got a pedal steel too, but he plays a lap. Well, can you play us one of your tunes, kind of like we were just talking about? I mean, I'm a fan of like... <laughs> lyrics saw a rusty razor blade light lovely on the floor took it in the bathroom and then i locked the door and a funny feeling came over me no more could i resist took that rusty razor blade and sliced across my wrist ow 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 that sparks ow 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 uh oh You are so musical. And I screwed also, it all up. That was not easy, what you are just playing, bouncing around and playing those chords in the intro. and Really. Well, let me say this about that. Mm. And this is an important lesson that I learned not that long ago. A friend of mine, we were talking or whatever like that. I go, yeah, man, it's, it's really hard. I got guys coming in and out of my band. And that, they just don't understand 
Because, you know, there's polka, there's metal, there's stoner, there's opera, there's Americana, there's psychobilly, there's all this shit pouring out of my head, right? The guy goes, listen, dude, you got to give those guys a break because we're listening to it. Oh, he says, that's just stuff that's going on in your head all the time. It's like breathing. But we listen to it and we go, what the fuck is this guy talking about? What is he doing? <laughs> so. Hey, whatever it is, I like it. Well, it's, it's for a select few. Like less than 1% of the population. Less than 1.01% of the population. That's still. Judging by like- my bank account. Because <laughs> the last record went cardboard. <laughs> that's hard to do in 2020 or whatever, 2000. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting, Yeah, they got right? cool tunes. Yeah, yeah, there's two Kehoe Nation records that I'm aware there's of. There's two Kehoe Nation records, and yeah. then um, I guess I was going through it in my head, so I did the Electric Apricot with yeah. Claypool. That was the movie. That was cool as shit. That was fun. We did the Do It A Twang. We did one yeah. of those. And then I, was doing, I did this Halloween, kids' Halloween record with Dave Ed from Neurosis. And yeah, it's, dude, it's, I went to high school with him. Man, this is awesome. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. As a matter of fact, we're going to get together tonight and do the second release of oh, that. Oh, Dave Ebertson? Yeah. Tell him hello. I will. Talk about cool-ass stoner metal. Oh, dude. Drone metal. What are yeah, they? Is yeah. that what they call it? What do they call yeah, it? I don't, I don't know. Drone metal. That but sounds good to me. he's just a super cool, like, he's well-versed in punk rock and all that. What but anyway, we did a kid's Halloween record. And it was like surfy and um, kind of early rock and roll and a bunch of kids singing on it. It was super awesome. It was a lot of fun. And you can get that on the iTunes. Look at uh, I Believe in Halloween by Hobgoblin. And then we're cool. going to do another record, and we're continuing. It's another kid's record, but it's not like hokey. Okay, kids, put yeah. your right foot in. No, it's, it's it, you know, it gets a little dark. It's a Halloween well, record, great. for well, sakes. You got a kid now, so you're... you're yeah, you're and she sang all over that last one, and she's going to oh, cool. sing all over the next one. And then, so this one, we're doing more garage and psych. So it's super fun. Man, that's killer. Well, I would be remiss if I don't ask you about one Jerry Cantrell. How did you end up playing with this Alice in Chains legend? And what, what was the gig like? What, what, did you sing those harmonies with him? Or? Uh, okay, so here's, I'll try to condense this story because yeah. we could sit here for two hours with this story. Oh, we've been here for three and a half hours already. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm having fun. <laughs> um, so... Jerry, I guess he must have heard about Merv through Les because they did uh, Lollipalooza together, right? Allison Chains and Primus. And he would always come to all our Seattle shows. Um, when we would tour with Primus, we would open for Primus. And he came and he just loved, he loved the band. And he would come and hang out with us. And then we would go out afterwards and have drinks and hang out. We're like, hey, shit, we're hanging out with Allison Chains. What the fuck, dude? Jerry Cantrell's fucking rad. And then one day, many, many years later, I was in New York and um, I got a call. Hey, 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 Kehoe, what's going on? It's Jerry. I'm like, who? Who is this? It's Jerry Cantrell. I'm all, fuck you. Who is this? Who's fucking with me? He goes, dude, this is Cantrell. How did he prove it to you? Well, (laughs) he goes, what are you doing right now? I go, well, I'm in New York hanging out with my girlfriend, who later became my wife. He goes, well, I got a gig this Saturday. I'm all, uh, yeah, what are you doing? He goes, I got a, a, a solo record. I got a gig supporting Testament, and I need somebody to come and play guitar and sing behind me. And I go, are you sure? You got the right number? He goes, yeah, dude, come on down. 
He goes, uh, be there on Thursday. We'll rehearse on Thursday. The gig's on Saturday, right? I'm like, holy shit. So I walk in. He goes, I got all the guitars. I got all the amps. Don't even worry. Just show up at, you know, whatever. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Wait, where was this city? What? I was in New York. He was in San Francisco. He oh, was so living here. He in, was living in, 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 in SF. I walk into the rehearsal hall, and there's my friend, Mike Borden on drums, Damn. and then my new friend, Robert Trujillo, on bass. That's right. And I'm like, Trujillo. holy shit. And this is before Metallica. Yeah. So I, I knew him from Suicidal. And I walked in. I go, oh, this is heavy. And then we started playing. And then Jerry says, hey, I'm going to bail. Here's the CD. That was the degradation trip before it came out, which is an amazing record. He goes, here, learn these songs. And I was like, okay. And I'm listening to it. And I hear, you know, 15 vocals and 37 guitars. He comes back and I go, what parts am I supposed to learn? They're all like, I don't know. Learn whatever makes sense. This is what I'm going to do. And then right. so we made an amalgam of the singing and the guitar parts to fatten it up. And I ended up being in his band after that for two years. And we toured all over the place. And it was awesome because, A, Jerry was about as gracious as, as, you, could, as you could ever think as a rock star. And people worship that guy, dude. And, you know, so do I. But he made me feel so comfortable and so confident, which is, you know, that's a big thing. And he's like, no, you got this. It's cool, man. No, it sounds great. And then as having Borden there, who's been one of my friends for a long time, that I was like, oh, shit, what are you doing here? And then being able to play that catalog. Yeah. You mean so you would do change songs as well? So we, we started off just doing all the stuff yeah. from the new record. Right. And then eventually we started doing, um, you know, Alice in Chains. Yeah. And, and then band members were coming through as they were available. Because at that time, Ozzy was touring. So Robert and Mike couldn't do all the shows. They got the guys from um, Comes With the Fall. And, and yeah. William, who's the current singer of Alice in Chains, he was from, that was his band. And he came in and, yeah. you know, there was me, William, and Jerry covering all the guitars and all of the vocals. And then there was a cast of characters yeah, so can you play us a little something that you used to rock out on with him? Or oh, give us a taste. Yeah, I'll play one. Always want a taste. Hold on, I had, I had a version. What does it go? He goes, uh, hold on. God damn, I suck. <laughs> incredible what did, what would you do in the chorus well we didn't we didn't play it like that dude no, no okay this, we, went, know, this, this, this hey, is, dude, we went like that's this. the key we went. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's great. And as a fan of of that band's sound, would you do like the the cool harmony that maybe? Oh yeah. So it was either him or Lane Staley on the top and. Yeah, the thing is, a lot of people don't realize is that Jerry is a fantastic singer. And then he just has this great way of writing these creepy melodies. Uh, They own the fourths. It's so awesome. I mean, he's like, um, and plus his production, right? With all the guitars and all the the vocals and all that stuff. I mean, kind of, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't want to piss him off, but kind of like a modern day Jimmy Page where the brilliance of Page I mean, both of those guys are amazing yeah. guitar players. Jerry's an amazing musician. But really, I think that his, um, his true talent is in writing and then producing that sound. It's so haunting. And nobody else sounded like that until everybody wanted to copy him, right? Absolutely. Same with the Led Zeppelins. That's right. Well, And it's just that haunting sound, man. It's fucking brilliant. And so when we would play these giant festivals... Especially in the beginning, I was used to playing, you know, shit bars in front of six people, right? Where everything is like on the beat. Right? It's just right there, right there, real. And then when you're playing on a big stage, and as you well know, and you're playing this festival, and this is what I learned uh, by doing that, is that the big drum fill would come, right? Do, 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 ba, ba, bum. They hold back on that one, like the English one right except for i would go bank i'd be way ahead of the beat they're like bro you gotta sync the beat it's not like the shitty bars dude you gotta wait for that stuff to bounce off the back of the wall and i'm like really interesting right i mean i one time i played with an orchestra the oakland symphony it was kind of the same trip like when the conductor would do big hits Bump, like they would be late yeah it was like it was real i was i was in school that day trying to learn that shit it's man. crazy I, right yeah it's wild and because you know in merv dude we were just all yeah. wackety schmackety do and then now you're playing like this serious heavy music and what a lot of people don't realize is that it's a lot slower than you think when i listened to those records i was going holy shit they sound like they're like you know kind of a normal time but when you play it they're really laid back, but for whatever reason, it works so good. And it doesn't sound like it's slow, or some of the stuff is supposed to, but I mean, wow, it's, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. Well, man, this has been an incredible hang. Uh, before we go. No, you're not ready to go, dude. We're staying here for another three hours. <laughs> Shit, I got to beat traffic. My- no. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't want to keep you all day. Well, I'm trying to be respectful. I thank you so much for... Um, for taking time out. Last time I saw one of your social media posts recently, you were playing on a raft out in the bay or some shit <laughs> or a lake. What's it like? Tell me about that gig and what's it like playing on a floating raft? Like not a big ass barge. Where it looked like it's like something you swim out to at a lake when it's summer camp and you swim out to like the little raft. That that is true. So uh it was in Petaluma and it was at this place called what the hell is it called? I forgot what it was called. Hold on. Bands on the Bend, I think is what it was called. It's the bend of, in the river, right. of the Petaluma River. Which is kind of like the bay because it's right near the bay where it opens into the bay. Yeah, and so the, it, and it's a big thing there, and it was a benefit to help the boathouse there with the rentals of canoes and whatever. Kayaks. Everyone's kayaking kayaks up to your ass stuff. watching you play. So I made the fatal error of thinking, oh, we're going to play on this giant. Because when I looked at the picture, there was that the, the pontoon, or it's a, really a, a long pier. 
And I thought we were going to be playing out across acres of this water. And then there's all these like beer gardens and restaurants. And I thought that was going to be in the back. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to need to get something that's going to project. Because when you play outdoors, you know, everything just gets lost. So I brought this 100 watt head that is made. uh, Bruce Zinke used to be the designer at Fender, also uh, rebirth the Supro brand and had Zinke amps for a long time, made the smoky amps. He yeah. had this, it was his early, early Fender Tone Master 100 watt head prototype that he made out of this submarine World War II Russian submarine service radio. Honest mm-hmm. to goodness. No, yeah. Giant magnets, and that thing is louder than loud. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to use for this thing because it'll project. And I brought this 115 cabinet, and I was like, okay, this will be appropriate, right? Yeah. So I get to the gig, and no, it's not appropriate. The pier is about 20 feet away from the beer garden. So we didn't <laughs> go across that the, vast waterway. Yeah. There was people, and I was like, oh, no. So I had to turn the amp way down. Plus, sound skips across the water. Like glass. Yeah. So yeah. the high end was just all sharp, and it's a non-master amp. So it's basically it's a Fender front end with a Marshall back end. So it's got some pointy upper mids, and those pointy upper mids are being accentuated by the water, and I was just way too loud, and I was like, oh, no. And so with a non-master amp, everything is kind of clanky when you don't get those second-order harmonics rolling when the power tubes are lighting up. Second-order harmonics. It sucked. It was rough. But how was the floating aspect? The floating aspect was fun i liked being out there and you know i like i like fishing and boating yeah. and i'm an outdoorsy kind of i mean not really but i mean i enjoy it yeah but i'm not avid but i had a good time but i i never really felt like i was grounded like i felt like everything was just kind of moving <laughs> around i had the wrong sounding amp and i just you know it wasn't a pleasurable experience for me honestly but everybody had a good time and that's all that matters people says oh you guys are great and back yeah. in the old days, I say, "Oh, you're crazy. That sucked. I fucking hate myself." And now I just go, "Oh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it." That's what you learn after years. I and then the drummer working. says, "That was the best show I ever played." I'm like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me, dude? I hated this show." Uh, you play with Amir Zitro sometimes? Uh, I haven't played with Amir in a long time, but he he's he's a badass. Yeah. That that gig it was um, Angeline Saris. I know Angeline too. Yeah, she's, she's so great. awesome, dude. She's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, Louis Sonor on drums. Cool. He's got a pretty cool. Um, He's got a pretty cool resume. Tommy Guerrero, uh, uh, Vane, MCM and the Monster. He's played with some cats. Well, it's great talking to you today, man, because you go back for me. Like When I first started getting into the scene, man, there there was a scene here. I don't know if scenes like that come up too often or if they eat. There was a scene, bro. There's the Limbo, Psychophuncopus, Smoking Section, Primus, Fungo. You could go out on any night of the week. And either in San Francisco or the East Bay, and it was still kind of happening in the South Bay too, but mainly in San Francisco and the East Bay, you would see an amazing show stacked. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like one good band. There's like three, four, five. Smoking Section was another really good one. And there was just a shit ton of these great musicians pushing the envelope. Yeah. And it was really inspiring. So many bands. Uh, Chill Factor, Dizzy Bam, Mofessionals. Wow, look at you I go. To, I, dude, I was in, my band was Groove Shop. We play with a lot of you cats. Like, yep. I, um, smoking Rhythm Prawns. Smoking Rhythm Prawns. Uh, Mother uh, Hips. Maybe that a little later. 
blue chunks, but they weren't quite the same as the blue chunks. Yeah, they were good. It was that thrash funk they called it, where you thrash could thrash funk. You could totally Funga thrash mungo. to it, but it was it was grooving too. Yeah, it was good, man. It was uh, good. I love that shit, man. Yeah, I, I like the Limbo Maniacs a lot. I love Limbo Maniacs. I'm always looking for some gems. I want to get Merv, aka Mark Haggard, on the show. He's uh, we can make it happen. Yeah, and his, I know a guy. Yeah, I know his brother too, Paul Haggard. Oh, Paul's worked awesome with him for years dude. at Guitar. Have you Player seen Magazine. their surf band? I want to see it. So Louis Sonor, the drummer yeah. in my band, he's in that surf band. So it's Louis, it's Paul Haggard, it's uh, Merv, and Craig from Merv, the bass player. Yeah, Craig McFarland. And they and they play amazing, amazing yeah. surf. They do some originals and they cover the really good, cool deep cuts. Not, you yeah. know, not everything's wipeout or whatever, you know. Man, that's that's the good shit. And we got to unearth some Limbo's demos and stuff or anything. I, I tried have, to look for Limbo's on uh, Apple Music and it's not it's there. It's really hard. I have the I have the album they put out, but yeah, Stinky Grooves with Bootsy, Hit it. produced Brian. by Bill Laswell. Yeah. All right, let's let's take it out, Brian. What what you want to jam it out on? One last thing. Well, it was funny because um, I was listening <laughs> to the Zach Wild one. Oh, you want to play some blues? And so yeah. you start kicking that in, was funny. and Zach's all. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, yeah, blues. Yeah, man. He had a little uh, mini Marshall amp. Oh, I, I know which. I know exactly yeah. what amp you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> I offered him a Roland Cube or something. Like I had something that might have been a little more substantial, the one by twelve, like a Katana. He's like, no, man. Like it's got to be fucking Marshall for him. Or yeah, of course. <laughs> he was shredding. And that guy sits around and practices scales. When we went to his place to interview yeah. him, he's got that book of scales, that giant Bible of book of scales, and it's like all your diatonic, all your modes, all your harmonic yeah. minor, your melodic minor, and then it goes into like all the Eastern and Asian and uh, uh, Southern uh, uh, e e e yeah. equator scales and modes and all this. I was like, holy shit. And you could see like, that book was well-worn. Is that the Slonimsky book or that's a different kind of... I don't know. He, I was sick that year. <laughs> me too. I've only heard of it. There's another great guitar player from Dunlop walking back in the room, Max. Sound good over there when you saw warming up on that. Max Beloyan, awesome guitar player, bass yeah. player, multi-instrumentalist. Let's see if we can make his ears bleed here right before I turn off the recorder. What All are right. we doing? I don't know. I don't know either. Are we still in drop? Yes. <laughs> I'd rather do it in E. Ooh, that's... Thank you. 
sweet. <laughs> That's it. Oh man, I'm stealing that. That's it. Oh, this is another good one. You gotta put a little juice on there. Hold on. And then give me a little close encounters to close it. Alright, hold on. Uh. <laughs> I love it, dude. Awesome, man. Keep it alive to you. 95, Brian. Thank you, Jude Gold. Yeah. Thank you for being my friend. No, the time is safe.